My name is Christina, and thank you for checking in to the Home for Wayward OCs. This is a podcast where a friend and I talk about our original characters, the good, the bad, and the self-inserts. Today, our guest is my friend James. James, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing just fine, Christina. So, James, who are we going to talk about today? Uh, we're here to talk about Garrett Lockhart III. Nice. Very pompous name, so I'm curious to see uh, what Garrett is about. <laughs> He's about a lot of things. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you want to start by giving us, then, a a short summary of what Garrett is like as character? Uh, as you mentioned, the name, he is kind of pompous. He is the leader of the uh, Adventurers Group Discord Company, as which has had uh, many members over the years. Uh, he is a bit of a, a twit, but he mostly can pull it off there then. I kind of like, he's kind of one of the things that's like kind of bumbles, but then sort of pulls it off at the end, and then it's like, ta-da! I meant it for this way to happen, I'm sure. Ah, yes, the accidental protagonist. Yes. Well, I mean, he means to do it, but just, like, he does not necessarily in the way that it happens sometimes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can get that. I can get that. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, what did... You said that Garrett is part of the adventuring group Discord Company... Which I'm yes. assuming is linked to your Twitter username somehow. It is. Um, but what was what kind of a world is Garrett from? Was Garrett created for D and D or another tabletop game or just fiction in general? Uh, Garrett's yeah, Garrett's origin is kind of complicated. I'll give the abridged version. Where when I was like really young, I I never really did fan fiction as a kid. Because I think it's like kind of normal for guys, but I but I did like have an original story. The idea for like the Guardians, I was supposed to be this big space opera, which I've never finished for various reasons. But I had like these uh, characters who are just like reoccurring bad guys, robots. Uh, one was named Sharp, and the other one was Flat, and together they created Discord. This is a pun I created in middle school that I thought was very clever. So that was the original one. So, but like the character eventually evolved where. Uh, I went with a friend to a LARP dinner, and there is a, and, uh, there was a group called, like, Greyhawk Company, and, like, that came into the idea, it's like, oh, well, like, I could do that if I was doing this, but, mm-hmm. like, I could use, but, like, I wasn't going to use the main character from Guardians of I was like, uh, it wouldn't work, but I could take this robot and make him a people. Okay. So, th- once I had it, it's like, so, Garrett? I remember getting the name Garrett because I remember a kid from elementary school. Couldn't remember much about him. Just like, he seems like he'd be the person. And then for the last name, I did kind of pillage from, uh, I will admit, like, I'm not a super Harry Potter fan, but I did kind of pillage the last name Lockhart from there. And then just like, like, you know what makes someone seem pompous? Putting a number after their name. Yes. Very true. So that was how I got the name Garrett Lockhart III. Yes. And I would... I have heard it argued before that uh, creation is just stealing from people and then making it your own thing. So It's very true. So, no shame in that. So yeah, I ended up uh, having this concept but didn't know what to do with him until I started using him in uh, Tabletop. Where I came to Tabletop pretty late, not until uh, I was in college. And he wasn't the first character I played, but he was like the first from like a starting campaign. Mm-hmm. Like, uh... I joined in an existing campaign that wrapped up and then came to this one. And initially, I, it was kind of hard because, you know, you learn when you're... Like, the thing with, like, 
like the fiction, just like oh, everything can go the way you want it to, but when you're do, but when you're doing it, it with a table, particularly because like, be like at the time I was, these were like new friends at college. I mean, I've known them for years now, mm-hmm. but just like I don't know where to take this. I don't know how to do it. It wasn't really until like I actually took the character to a LARP where I kind of like figured out how to do them. So. uh... Question: Am I the first one to talk about like the like larping a character on this podcast? I know that Alan mentioned cosplaying Soren in his episode, but I think you were the first to bring live action role playing into this. So, for those of us who are maybe not familiar with larping, could you give a quick summary of what that is? Okay, you've probably seen parodies in nerd culture, but the idea is rather than doing it at a tabletop, you're actually acting it out in person. Combat can be handled either with, like, foam bopper weapons, as you've probably seen in things, or it could be handled in other, other subtle ways. Like, I have a friend who does a, a, a mage LARP, uh, like, uh, based on the White Wolf system, and I believe a lot of the stuff is handled through, like, combo resolution, like, like sometimes they just even just the little rock, paper, scissors. Okay. This was for, like, a local one called Simterra, where the whole premise was, like, kind of fantasy RPG, but, like, one of the things that they did is, like, it was a uh, post-apocalypse one, like, the world went to ruin and, like, now there was magic and elves and stuff. And one of the character concepts they had was a cryo, where you could someone who was, like, during modern times was frozen in these cells and then woke up and, like, oh, hey, like, all this fantasy stuff is going on. Yeah, like the soul survivor concept from Fallout, but with fantasy. Yeah. And that was, like, a really kind of good idea from, like, a design standpoint because, like, if say if you want to bring a new, bring a friend in who is like not familiar with the concept of LARPing, he can be a cryo, so he can come in, or he or she come in in their street clothes, and you know they don't have to do it because like I've seen some other LARPs that that get pretty hardcore on the like after the first few sessions you need to be like wearing like not even necessarily period accurate, but like say don't wear you're not you shouldn't be wearing sneakers after a while and wear wear boots yeah and stuff like that which can be pretty tricky like particularly if you're like not familiar with the concept or don't know how far all in you want to go in. But anyway, so this is where I had Garrick as a cryo, because I'm just like, also it had the opportunity to just like, well, I can kind of figure stuff out as I go along. And that was where I ended up joining a guild, like which which included some out-of-character friends called the Suicide Kings, which it, they had a playing card motif. So, you know, the, uh, I think it's the King of Hearts is the one that has the knife behind his head. So there was a whole thing about this. So that was kind of where, I, like, I had the idea, just like, okay, this is actually working it. Because, like, you are, like, obviously it's not representative, like, a real thing, but, like, you, there's, you have to kind of deal with stuff, uh, for, you know, bartering kind of for position, working together as a team. I did have some funds like that. Uh, one of the, uh, one of the members of the guild was, uh, named, uh, Roland. He was a, uh, uh, was a Venthian, so a regular member of the city who hated cryos. Oh, great! We first his first session, he he tried to insult any cryo because he could duel anyone to settle any argument. Oh boy! Yeah, so he kept trying to intentionally offend people and to see if he could get a duel, largely to see if he would get stabbed. But like it was one of the things, just like I was like, oh, I'll apologize or let him get off, so he got away with it for the longest time. So he was openly anti cryo, even when together and so one really notable session between uh roland and i is there is a uh 
carnival coming through that was holding a big fighting tournament where you would eventually face the champion Arkillo. Nice. Good menacing name. Like a big warrior. So anyways, it came to like a battle royale, uh, which included me, Roland, and a couple other people. So like, the first thing Roland does is he uses mental red match to dominate. He's like, slit your own throat. Just like, wow, that is ice cold. That sounds like not, that doesn't sound like a very, a very courteous thing to do if you want to continue to play in this group. <laughs> yes. Uh, fortunately, I had a potion, so I was able to down that. So, like, get back up, and then, like, I'm gonna stab them back, just like, well, you travel across me, I'm gonna travel across you. And then I ended up going and facing Arkillo, and so I ended up winning that battle royale, primarily because I did that. And then ended up going to the final round playing Arkillo, who, so a friend of mine who's like a big, a big dude who had like a full, ar- full set of armor propped in a hammer, and he had abilities to be able to like knock, knock away. So, so it was pretty intense. Garrett's a shield, a sword and shield fighter, so I had that. Knocked my weapon away. I ended up doing like a roll and like kind of like, to, like stabbing him through like a weak point in the armor, and I got, I picked up his shield to do a counter. And eventually took him down and won the whole tournament. Wow. And it was, like, a really cool moment since, like, there were a bunch of, like, people watching it. Like, applause. And then I think I got, like, a like awarded champion status by the caravan and, like, spent a couple months, like, in character going around with them, like, learning. So, like, okay. that was, like, a... That's, like, one of my favorite moments from playing the character at, at that LARP. Nice. And how did, um... How did the other guy react... After, like, out of game. Like, was he cool out of game? Oh, yeah, yeah, out of game. The guy, uh, is totally not. He's a person who will pay a jerk and, like, will not take it personally if someone gets called on it. So, like, he's cool. Okay, good. I occasionally will still bring it up when I see him just, like, it's like, oh, yeah, it's like, hey, remember the time you just murdered me in cold blood? That must sound very weird to people who don't know the two of you. It's true. Thank you for that primer on live-action role-playing. I admit that I am not the most knowledgeable on it, and most of my knowledge comes from whatever I hear my boss talk about, which so far is just that she took a an actual hog's head to a potluck that her LARP group was having. That sounds, that sounds fun. She's hardcore. LARPing is, is fun. I do reco- recommend it, although I'd recommend, like, you know, finding a group of people going so you're not, like, completely lost going into. Like, it's perfectly okay to, like, kind of metagame just, like, I am going to meet up with this person that I've got a letter from that it's certainly not because I'm friends with them in real life and they'll keep me from just, like, getting, like, shanked in the bar or something. Yeah, that's fair. Thank you for that primer on live-action role-playing again. So, since Garrett, uh, Garrett Lockhart III, to be specific, was created in live-action role-playing, then mm-hmm. where did he go from there? Oh, he would eventually go into, like, writing. Because since that way I could actually kind of, like, once I knew, like, what he would kind of do, like, his fighting style. So then I would, like, take him to stories and kind of, you know, I wrote a bunch of, like, short stories of him just, like, having adventures, kind of fleshing out the concept of Discord Company mm-hmm. and what kind of people would be in it. Like, who would put up with him. Yeah. That's very true. I also would put him into t- some tabletop games. Weirdly, sometimes he would show up in ones that I didn't intend to play him. Okay. Explain. Okay. So, uh, this was, this was a long-running 4E game I was playing, where, uh, I started off playing a ranger, and who I cannot remember the, his original name, 
but like I I picked him up just like whatever. It's like so weirdly weirdly enough, there ended up being a lot of like in character and some out of character turnover on that. So he was the only one the entire time. So it ended up being the the leader of the adventurers group. So that's one kind of getting there. Okay. And then this is where I kind of learned how to another character trait with him, where like where it started off being like, oh, you're like adventuring in this new world and like colonies and stuff like that, which does kind of have some retrograde stuff with colonialism, but that's a bit of a thing. That's a topic for a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, because it eventually turned into, oh, Cthulhu is, is invading, everyone's going mad, and stuff like that. Uh, I just have, I have thoughts about the use of Cthulhu in fiction. Uh, yeah, like, not literal Cthulhu, but like, this kind of idea of just like, outsiders trying to invade, driving people mad, building armies... It, I have complicated feelings, but for for matters that are like way too big, kind of going here, particularly with like the GM involved. But don't worry like about that too much. But because like so, where I was getting to with this is like the moment where I was like, oh, I am playing Garrett, even though I didn't mean to. Yeah. Is at one point we got like paralyzed by essentially like the like the uh, avatar of the of the old ones. Okay. He's, like, using this to, like, brag, and so I did the only thing that I could. It's like, well, he he hasn't paralyzed my mouth, and so I started shooting off my mouth at him the entire time. So I was like, oh, you mean you're just a puppet? Well, then, I why are we even talking to you? You're not very that important, then. Why maybe we should talk to the real guy? And just, like, kind of doing this until he just Ooh. got pissed off and lost control and lost control of us. And at that point, I was like, oh, that... That's definitely Garrett, and this is definitely a thing he does when okay. encountering people like hopelessly stronger than him. He's just going to try, like, he's going to shoot his mouth off until he can like get them mad enough to like that they'll mess up and hopefully not annihilate him in the same time, which is very possible. That's a very good tactic, and I will have to remember that for use in my own future games. <laughs> Yeah, so I had to, like, retcon his entire backstory. It's like, okay, he was Garrett Lockhart, but he came over and, like, hid his identity this entire time, and now he's, go like, reclaiming it. Because, like, like, I think I went with, like, Extrange Noble as a background. Just like, okay, there we go. That's a reason why he would, like, pretend not to be him. Okay. That was also a fun game. That was also the one time I had a uh, another friend who was uh, playing a shifter who is a shifter monk who ended up being mute just as like a kind of role-playing choice. Okay. And weirdly enough, he managed to do it for the most part without doing the kind of like my character gestures in infer and you infer this from them. Just like literally like pantomiming stuff and mostly getting him, which okay. ending up like some good rapport with uh, Garrett. Yeah. Where, where so people would come and just like, what's this deal? Why doesn't he talk? I'm just like, I don't know. Why don't you ask him? <laughs> Which then leads into a whole other gag there. I mean, you never tried. Yeah, that's true. That is something that could be... No one ever took him up on it. Yeah. So, Garrett was in 4E. Where did Garrett go from there? There were a couple, like, all-stars here where I remember once trying to do Castle Ravenloft, which wasn't my first character, but then the first character got killed. (laughs) A few times I had a character just, like, flat-out get murdered. I am not familiar with Castle Ravenloft. How concerned should I be? Uh, Castle Ravenloft is an old school like D and D horror setting. It's uh, it's run by Count Strahd, who's like a vampire. Oh, okay. Uh, it's it's like very like horror, like Castlevania, I Castlevania ish. Although like Castlevania is like stolen, including I I think Castlevania Two 
the art is a trace of the original manual for Castle Ravenloft. It sort of as a module became its whole thing. But yeah, he can, that was where I kind of established another character trait, where he is always a member of Discord Company, even if he is the only member. Okay. When he comes up, he will <laughs> then try to take credit for Discord Company. So I had a cat at it's like, another win for Discord Company. And just the other group was like, we're not part of Discord Company. So I was like, well, but we're fighting together, so we are. Okay. I mean, I can I can understand wanting to keep your IP alive, but that yeah. that sounds like a little bit of a stretch. But <laughs> look, sometimes you just gotta like you gotta make your own legends. That's very true, very true, and that's a good that's a good phrase. So from Strahd and killing weird vampires from Castlevania, where did where did uh, where did he go from there? This was where I kind of got very ambitious with the con, kind of like taking concepts because generally this has all been like. D&D before this. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously I had the original, like, Space Adventures, but I never really did go, went and revisit it with this character. But, so then, uh, we had a GM who wanted to run a combined World of Darkness. So, those are, like, White Wolf's thing, Vampire, Werewolf, Mage Ascension. Mm-hmm. So, basically, you had the premise, like, okay, so you're gonna do in Roanoke, and I'll accept any background. So, so you could be a mage, you could be a vampire, like, vampire, you could be a werewolf. And it'll yeah. go over generations, so okay. you could be playing, like, the same character if it's, like, a vampire or a descendant if it's, like, a werewolf. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, huh, what if I played Garrett? <laughs> and they're just like, it's a human. Like, how, how would that make sense for generations? It's like, what if, and bear with me, what if, like, it's a title that can go on and it, the knowledge is, like, literally passed. Like, I... Hadn't heard of, like, the concept of the Akashic Records, but I kind of invented this. The idea of just, like, the name was a blessing from the Fae, and his job was to protect Excalibur. Oh, I probably should have started uh, led with the whole protecting Excalibur, because he did take Excalibur over to uh, the New World to protect it. Yeah, that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> it's just King Arthur's sword. Yes, a little. So the concept I came up with, just, like, him in the real world, is he would be... Just, like, not even a knight, just a random, like, member of, like, party within the Crusades, and, uh, Richard the Lionheart would go out in, I think it's the Third Crusade? Ah, I probably should have looked at this. But anyways, at some point, I, it, during historical record, he gets captured, and I think it's held in, I want to say the Holy Roman Empire. But, like, he needs to send Excalibur back for, like, uh, reasons. Yeah. So basically, except, like... Can't send any of his knights back, so he picks, like, this one, like, like, you know, just, like, regular soldier in this and gives it back. So suddenly, this becomes this whole thing to get the sword back, and eventually fights, has to, like, get it back, being chased by various kind of, like, fae-type creatures, like, trying to keep it out from England. Uh-huh. Or, I guess, Britain. So anyways, gets back there, and that's when he gets the title from, uh... The Lady of the Lake. Okay. And so creating this lineage. Okay. So that was like how I decided to do it in the real world. And I think at like one point I, I basically went back and figured out the generations to figure out what Garrett's would be around. I didn't fill out a whole timeline. I I probably should have just like grabbed one of those like genealogy software and just like, okay, I'll use this to like figure out the many timelines of this character. Okay. By that, do you mean that like Garrett Garrett Lockhart the third was the first knight to carry Excalibur, and then like in present day, 
would be Garrett the 31st or whatever, or still Garrett the 3rd. Yeah, the numbers would increase in this case. Okay. Okay, so working our way towards the current state of Garrett, what is the next step? Well, like, once I realized that, just like, I could, like, it's a concept I could adapt to, like, any sort of thing. Like, any sort of game, like, any sort of time frame. Just, like, it's easy to take, like, here's this is dude who, like, knows a lot, has this whole group of people, like, uh, and then you also have ways to tie into, like, supernatural stuff, from the from the Excalibur thing. Mm-hmm. So, stepping back for a moment, I always liked the idea, when, when I was, of, like, multiple, like, iterations and alternate timelines, I read a lot of X-Men comics, specifically Excalibur, where there's a whole run where they just go between different dimensions for a whole bunch. Oh, yeah. Issues. Is, I forget, was Excalibur the team that was based in... Great Britain and, like, magic was a part of it at some point? Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's the one that also, like, uh, Nightcrawl and Kitty, and, uh, Kitty Pride were in for a while. And also Rachel Summers. Okay. But yeah, so I had this idea, it's like, well, yeah, I could have Garrett and, like, show up where wherever. I could just, like, make things. I could even, like, revisit the space things, but have, like, this Garrett instead of necessarily the robot. Or maybe they could interact. Because mm-hmm. I do like, like, kind of taking this. And, like, I actually kind of wish I did write in a fiction because, like, there's a lot of, like, fictional timelines. Like, yeah, I could find a way to insert them and, like, in a way that would make sense within the rules of the universe. Uh-huh. Because I do like doing that sort of stuff and just, like, having things interact. Like, that's the thing I really like about, like, all, uh, fan works is where they can just go and mess around and mash up stuff in ways that sometimes that don't make sense, but sometimes make sense perfectly. Did you mean crossovers? Why, Yes. Thank you for that transition. <laughs> so, crossovers. Where do, where to begin on that? I don't know. Where do you want to start? So, I know there has been a lot of bad mouthing on on, on crossovers. I'm not going to name names because, like, the one I would name names, like, we've actually made up on this, and we find we mostly agree on the same points. Like, they get a bit of a bad rap, particularly with how nerd culture has been like so easily commercialized. This is the best it, crossover of all time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Marvel. Or, like, crossover will mean this, like, oh, you'll get, like, art mashups. Some of which can be cool, but some of which can also be just, like, well, you just did this to, like, this to do a print, or just, like, there's so much of it. But I think it, like, kind of just, like, at its pure thing, just, like, who doesn't want to be able to, like, see, you know, see, like, I don't know, like, Doctor Who, like, run into the Enterprise. Like, I, I do things that I'm actually not super into, but, like, that kind of jumped to my head. Yeah. But it can be kind of fun, and, like, it, it, it's, particularly in, the in like, the realm of fan fiction, you don't have, like, the same kind of corporate interest that you, like, when corporate, when, like, it actually happens in, like, you know, a corporate comic, mm-hmm. sometimes it doesn't go off as well as you want it to, because the licensors don't want to take it the full thing. Like, you'll have... Yeah. Like, uh, I remember one... Like, you had as a kid, uh, Marvel versus DC, which is not as good as you want it to, because, okay, you'll have, like, the whole Superman fight, but, like, it'll be kind of inconclusive. So, like, Superman and Woman were just like, oh, that was the hardest fight ever. But it's just like... But is it really? Or uh, Batman will fight Captain America, and he'll lose because they get swept up in the sewers. It's like... But I just wanted to see them, like, fight. I don't want to see them, like, kill each other, like, really. But, like... Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's, like... It, it's... Both people are... You know, like... Like, the, the suits are worried, like... 
someone's gonna look bad, so it ends up yeah. just kind of like 50-50 nonsense. That they're also worried that, like, showing that one showing that one franchise's character is superior means that the other franchise's character will suffer losses in sales. Yeah. When really, the losses in sales are coming from yeah. rehashing the same old tired storylines and the same old characters and plots. And, you know, just like making characters Nazis for no reason. And that's my, that's the last thing I'm going to say about that, because this is meant to be a positive podcast. <laughs> it was a very weird time in comics. Though I will say, going back to fanfiction, like, the kind of cutest moments that I remember is like, they is like they kind of ship like Tim Drake and Jubilee, which kind of works. Aw, I could see that being cute. I know I can't speak for everybody, but my favorite parts of like, crossover or like, large scope fanfiction are just like, the cute, fun stuff. Like, seeing how these characters interact. Yeah, no, I definitely think that, you know, when you grow up, like, being taught how to write, you, you have to, you get taught, like, you have to put your characters through hell. You have to, like, there always must be conflicts and stuff. It just, I think, like, like weirdly thinking is like, you don't have to do that. You don't have to torture your, like, you don't have to torture your characters, yes. literally or metaphorically. Yes. Like, you can have small stuff that, like, still can be compelling stories. Yes. This is why there's an, an entire genre of fanfiction just known as fluff. <laughs> or, like, expanded canon. Yeah. Like, people make fun of coffee shop AUs, but, like, it's a very relatable thing. They are good things. Yeah. If anyone wants to, contact me after the episode goes up and ask for some of my favorite coffee shop AUs, I would be more than happy to forward some along. Ah, oh, man, that's what I should do. I should come up with, like, a coffee shop AU for, like, Garrett Lockhart and Discord Company. I'd be very interested to see how that would, like, play out. Well, like, so, like, he'd be running, like, the coffee shop, and he'd be called, like, Discord Incorporated, or Discord Browns, like, somehow get them in the name. The mercenaries, they would be, like, would be, like, baristas under that, and, like, the rival mercenary group would be running the rival coffee shop. They'd obviously, like, a big brand by, like, Starbucks, so okay. there'd be that competition, just like, oh, we gotta stay true to our stuff, and, like, I haven't actually worked in a coffee shop, which I, although I don't know if that's necessarily important to writing a coffee shop AU. Eh, you never know. So, yeah, you'd have that, that competition, so you'd have, like, you know, some, like, small stakes, but, like, it ultimately it's not such a big deal, like, it's not like the world's gonna end or something for coffee. There's a lot to be said for small-scale conflict rather than large-scale conflict. Yeah. What I'm saying is, like, coffee shop I use work for anything. Yes. Very true. So, going back to the original carrying into this topic of conversation, what different kind of crossovers was Garrett involved in? Where did you take him into the world of crossovers? Since I had, like, this the, like thing, like, oh, I can't really do fan fiction. Because, like, I think as dudes, sometimes, like, you get discouraged from fan fiction. Because I think you've mentioned this on other episodes like, an emphasis for, like, a lot of women to write fanfiction is to create stuff that doesn't exist. And when you're dudes, you get a lot of stuff that does exist for you, so you don't necessarily feel the need to add on. Plus, like, there's always been this whole kind of, there's always been a very gender thing with fanfiction. It's like, oh, it's a girl thing. Oh, yeah. Which is very bad and unhelpful, like, looking back. Yeah. So I wouldn't always write this stuff down, but I definitely would come up with concepts. Like, mm -hmm. it's like what would Gisort Company be like in the Marvel Universe? Well, probably wouldn't necessarily be a superhero, but he could be kind of like, a group kind of, I don't want to say, like, aim, but just, like, kind of, like, a group that could be in between the middle, just, like, have, like, some some superpowered things as, like, and could alternate between good and bad, and, like, I uh, but just, like, mainly kind of do a job. I also kind of personally like the idea of, like, 
the blue collar villain that you sometimes get in comics, particularly Marvel comics of, yeah, you'll do evil stuff, but like, that's just the job. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. And I kind of like that sort of thing. Like, not every supervillain has to have, like, mortal thing. Just, like, you know, it's, sometimes it's just, like, the job where you fight each other. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for the value of a punch clock villain. Yeah, and, like, that's kind of what I, like, if I had, like, Garrett Lockhart in, like, a Marvel Universe or Universe, that's what they would be. Like, they he makes a great, like, footnote in someone else's story. Just, like, he can be kind of, like, the punchline. Or, like, the initial thing. Like, I went with, like, another influence that's probably in, like, Garrett Lockhart and Discord Company is probably Team Rocket in retrospect. Nice. Just, like, you know, they show up and they do stuff and they're sometimes effective, <laughs> but they're mostly just kind of be around. Just, like, like yeah, we like them being around. Yeah, there's definitely influence uh, Star Wars, which, weirdly, like, I, I care, like, I never really created a fan character, even though it was, like, super into the EU back then. Mm-hmm. But, like... I would say Han Solo is an influence, but not specifically from the movies. Like, the, the Han Solo from, like, the weird pulp novel books, like Han Solo at Star's End. Oh, do you mean, like, the sense of the Han Solo where it's like, oh, hey, like, Han Solo gets made a Prince of Dathomir, so now he doesn't have to feel bad about marrying Leia when he's just a pilot from Corellia. And oops! Not, not quite. Like, these are a bunch of books that were written, I think, sometime after, like, the first movie. So, like, Star Wars is a thing, but, like, not a lot of the rules have been written. So you have, like, Han Solo, like, going around with Chewie and just, like, hanging out with, like, the, this droid named Blue Max, who's, like, a hacker droid that turns into, like, a bigger droid that's hidden inside of a bigger droid. And they go to do a prison break. Okay. Which, uh, ends up accidentally, through various circumstances, launches the prison into space on accident. That sounds like a Han Solo thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, that's the kind of Hanso I, I like. I think, uh, I think there's been a certain amount of re-examination, in particular when you get, like, a lot of, like, Hanso limitations, like, Star Wars. We're talking about, like, looking back and just, like, and then he's like, Hanso isn't as cool as you think he is. He's kind of, like, a goof and trying hard sometimes. Oh, yeah. Like, I think I, I just pointed out that, like, he's worried about Lando kind of taking away Leia because, like, Lando is the cool guy that he wants to be. Yes. Maybe, like, I don't, I haven't watched Solo yet, but I kind of hope that they carry that idea through, because, like, because Donald Glover always looks super slick on those trailers, and, like, the guy who's, like, Han is, like, kind of nevish, and just, like, yeah, like, Han's, like, that's the thing, like, a lot of, like, a lot of, like, dude nerds need to realize, is, like, hey, just, like, you don't have to be, like, so extra, like, you can have, like, feelings, and mess up, and still be a good character, Preach it to the rooftops, James. Preach it to the rooftops. <laughs> yes. Now that we have briefly addressed the concept of Star of crossovers, uh, where yes. where is Garrett existing right now? Not currently playing him in any games. Uh, let's see. Not currently writing him in anything, but like he's definitely like a character like always in my mind. Just like like I always like kind of think about stuff. Like I'll like if I'll see a thing, just like oh, that'd be a cool thing for Garrett to do. I definitely would like to do more with him, mm-hmm. like either in like ri- like stories I could publish or do you in- or like comics. He's like, he's like a familiar character I always like to deal with. Like at this point, like if I if I roll on a game, I know exactly what he what to do with him mm-hmm. to kind of do it. Uh, actually, no, I forgot. I lied. He is actually in a game. Okay. I'm currently playing him in a uh, Zelda game using Dungeon World, and that's an interesting experience because I'm playing with like some online friends who are like have no idea of this history, so. 
it's kind of interesting because like I'm doing stuff just like well they don't know about it so I can say something off the off the cuff but they'll have like no idea and just like it's kind of interesting like relearning how to play him just like mm-hmm. like what does he mean like how does he work and like they don't know what to expect with stuff yeah and still kind of and it's still kind of fun we're having him playing kind of an action archaeologist okay not to go too different than the dungeon world but like as a class for a sage where you can have stuff like sidekicks and just like spout off lore and like make up lore about the world and it would be true mm-hmm. so the whole idea is it takes place in a post breath of the wild world it's like the world is saved and nothing bad is going on so but so he has goals to like become the first historian of hyrule because okay you know, Hyrule. Yeah, in the Legend of Zelda world, they're really bad at keeping records. Yeah. It, it doesn't help when the world keeps getting blown up periodically. That's very true. Or, like, time just gets reversed every three days. <laughs> yeah. So, like, there's all ideas of he'll go around and collecting stories. And, like, I've been having a lot of fun just, like, off the cuff where, like, the GM will turn is like, have you heard a legend of this? So I create up the story just, like, the story of the ten good boys. Okay. Which... Okay, I probably should explain that. So in our first session, we were tracking down missing dogs. Nice. And at first it seems kind of something like, oh, dogs are disappearing. But then we find out that uh, they're going into this woods and being controlled by this, like, person in, a, in, like, a wolf mask. And so, and there's, like, a meeting of wolves that are coming up. And so, it's like, so the GM turns to me, he's like, does it remind you anything? It's like, oh, yeah, I've heard the story of, like, the ten good boys, these dogs that like band together to like defend the uh, the village from like <laughs> from uh, giant wolves, and I, I kind of pulled it out, out of nowhere, but also kind of pulled it from like mythology I'd heard of. There's a a Japanese myth that I sadly only know through Okami, where the ten brave sonatas, I think, where it is like a story of like these dogs like coming together and like they're all kind of ninjas and stuff. Okay, I don't. I wish I knew more about it, but, like, just kind of adapting. It's like, yeah, this thing, that seems like a story that would exist in Hyrule. It's like ten good boys coming together to, to save it, protect the village. Nice. I can appreciate that very much. Yeah, so that, that's been fun. Uh, we also had a, we went to uh, our most recent one. We went to, like, Eventide Island. Where, in this, instead of, like, you know, immediately getting, like, stripped of all our... Oh, wait, have you actually gone there? Roughly I now? haven't gotten there yet, but oh. I but I'm familiar with it. I've read about it. Okay. Didn't want to spoil you on your own podcast. Nah, it's okay. But we went there and there was this moblin there and just like kind of set up and okay, he seems kind of friendly. And so like going and talking and kind of discovering that he's like trapped on this island and kind of in like a Groundhog's Day scenario where he can't leave the island if he tries. They keep the game keeps setting. And then there are these Zora, tri- the Zora tribe that keeps coming and like they have these rumors of this monster on this island, so they keep coming and, like, killing him, but it'll keep getting resurrected. Oh, no. And so we end up, like, getting to this whole kind of, like, trying to save him, and at the same time, like, one of the Zora shows up and, like, trying to interfere. So, like, so I'm com- I am found something like, like, okay, I trust this dude. He seems nice. He gave us this, like, uh, like wine made out of coconut berries or whatever. Okay. So trying to help him and, like, constantly, like, interfering... With the Zoros trying to murder him. And then occasionally having to do stupid stuff. Because he's also compelled. If you, you try to like solve the mystery of the island too much. He gets like enchanted by the power of like the spirits. And goes mad and tries to murder you. Oh boy. So this happened when we were trying to get into the temple area. And so I was doing a lot of 
cool, like kind of cool, but also dangerous things. Like, okay, you guys get the door open. I'm gonna save the Zora from dying and running out completely out of my depth and trying to stop him and just like kind of coming up with like cool stuff I could do because since it's dungeon world, you can describe however you do. Like you can describe your action pretty detailed in that. So like, yeah, he's gonna rush out. He's gonna kind of dive under the sword as it swings to try to avoid getting killed. Mm-hmm. Or, like, try to brace and take the hit and just, like, kind of get knocked into a rock. And it's all sorts of, like, kind of fun stuff like that. Yeah. And and also since, you know, he's this archaeologist, he doesn't always have to go to the sword first, which is always kind of an interesting idea. Just, like, look through it and kind of figure just, like, well, do we need to go to violence or is there something more going on here? So also kind of ends up being doing kind of a mystery thing. Mm-hmm. I can appreciate that very much. Yeah. Yeah, so this is, yeah, so this comes in, like, this further concept, just like, yeah, like, he's, like, the leader, but he's also kind of dealing with a ragtag team, since the other team members include, like, a, a very sheltered Zora prophet, who's, like, still trying to learn these powers, and a, uh, high, a heavy young girl who's, like, descendant of the, uh, of the, uh, ink, per- like, the, uh, clothing person in Breath of the Wild, who's, like, also very much a surly teen who's like, whatever. Okay. Whenever he tries to do something cool, is like, I guess that was cool. Okay. So since we've talked pretty thoroughly about uh, Garrett's history and your some of your favorite things that Garrett has done and where Garrett has gone out of his, once out of his original media, um, what does Garrett look like? Has that changed over the course of his, sounds like, many different iterations? <laughs> a bit. I always had a hard time, like, kind of visualizing him, because like, I wasn't much of an artist. I can kind of tell you, like, what I was wearing as him when I was LARPing, where I had a, uh, like, uh, kind of big boots, because, like, boots are very useful in LARPing, just because you're tromping around. Mm-hmm. I had this, uh, I had this vest, which I had originally gotten from a freebie from when I worked at a Toys R Us. It's, like, kind of, like, a cool, like, a cool-looking vest. Okay. But also, like, had, like, Game Boy Advance logo on it, because that's when it was from. Okay. And then I had a ring mail underneath it. Okay. It was, like, uh, and then, uh, like, kind of, sort of board. Uh, I forget the color scheme I went with. I think I went with, like, black and red, which... I think was partially also the colors of the Suicide Kings, but I kind of adopted. It's like, that's kind of a good color scheme to do with him. Mm-hmm. Kind of, like, mess around with that. And so that, that's that been kind of, like, the default idea of him. Okay. Like, I've kind of messed with it, sometimes, like, wearing more armor, sometimes less. I always kind of imagine being kind of a, a, a bit of a mobile fighter mm-hmm. when it comes down to it. Like, a bit dodgy. Yeah. Uh, and I will admit, like, I sometimes I like cribbing from... Uh, like, early 90s and late 80s, like, anime fantasy aesthetics, which have, like, goofy armor. I think I also incorporated a headband, because, like, I always like the idea of, like, headbands on heroes. Okay. So his design can be kind of all over the place at times, but, like, I still have, like, a conceptual idea of just, like, okay, that's what Garrett looks like. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes I uh, sometimes I do, uh, do draw him, just, like, kind of, like, so I could put it down. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this is what he looks like. But he also tends to be adaptive. I mean, like, especially with, like, the concept I have in, like, real-world gear, which I'm doing with air quotes because, of course, it's a world that involves stuff. Yes. Like, I've definitely, I've definitely considered just, like, he could, like, also, like, be radically different because, since, 
the name doesn't necessarily tie to blood. He could like be very different periods. Like he doesn't have to be like a white dude, which sometimes he conceptually is just because like it's easy to go for that for the ball when you're just a white dude. Mm-hmm. Like doesn't even necessarily have to be a dude for that matter. Yeah, that's very true. There's all sorts of ideas. Like I'd love to like kind of experiment and take around with a concept. Yeah, just because like like all I really need is like yeah, he's this kind of goofy leader leads a mercenary guild that like sometimes like. Is just is just him. Mm-hmm. Sometimes just has people who like don't understand why they're still following him. I don't know. I do like the goofy characters, and I, I do, and like he also kind of made me realize strength is just like not necessarily like huge epics, but but much more small character things, mm-hmm. which I've generally tried to lean towards. Yeah, in my writing, I still like the idea of epics. Sometimes it's like it's hard to do just because like if you try to do like do this like put this like big goalpost thing in your story like. Getting there is always the trick. Mm-hmm. I know that. Excellent. Oh, I did. I did forget about one occasion where I was like running a, a tabletop game where he was, the, where that was the initial idea of like him being an archaeologist. Well, no, an old idea of being an archaeologist. Like I had a world called Archaeological Venture where it was kind of like based on like the kind of golden age of archaeology, like nineteen thirties. It's an idea I like, although I probably have to revisit now just as like. Like, how much of this is, like, still, like, extremely colonial? Yeah, that's true. Thing you don't think about when you're, like, you're, like in your, like, uh, mid-twenties. Yeah. But, like, I but like I did have a long story where they were, like, trying to chase him down. And every time they thought they had him, he'd have, like, gone on. And, like, they'd be, like, cursing him. Like, in my head, like, he had no idea he was being chased. So he was just, like, getting out of one circumstance and going to the other. So, like... When they finally come, it's like, finally we found you. And he's just like, who are you guys? Aww. It's like, you've been making your life hell. And it's like, I didn't ask for you to find me, but I appreciate it. Aww. I feel like that's like the one Garrett that'll say, like, he did nothing wrong. Aww. I usually can't get away with that, mostly. Pure Garrett. Good Garrett. He wasn't the one who was, like, like forgetting to pay them. That was, like, the, that was, like oh. the professor at the end. Oh. <laughs> It was like I've modeled very much after uh, Farnsworth from uh, Futurama. I haven't actually ever watched Futurama, so. Basically, doddering old man's like, who announces everything like, good news, everyone, even if it turns out to be horrible. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. Okay. <laughs> it is. So, before I go into the final question. Is there anything else that we haven't covered in the trawl through Garrett's history that you want to mention? I, I did. Well, no, I did forget there was like one element where I did a, where I was in a long game that was in like the 1940s in in uh, Roanoke, where the ideas where like, the ideas of like what if the Roanoke colony never disappeared? You see, like a Roanoke, Virginia, that was like always kind of like built up, or North Carolina, I think, I think it technically is like this kind of like this major shipping thing, but also like under attack by like nazis and like like uh in like pre-world war ii stuff okay and i played garrett there for a game but then like switch off and then like the end of the campaign like after we defeated a literal cthulhu with a magical nuke he like rolls up at the end is like hey uh hey i came here with excalibur uh we just need to remind thing we need to temporarily give north carolina back to the british and that was the final moment of that campaign. She's like possibly one of the greatest moments I've had with him. Okay. So I I do like being able to find like absurd things. Mm-hmm. Be able to do with him. Yeah. 
because what's life without a little without a little absurdity? That's very true. Mm-hmm. So your final question for the evening is: mm-hmm. Why do you love Garrett so much? I love Garrett because like he's comfortable. Like he, like, I think it's been mentioned on here a lot of that a lot of people like find characters like certain aspects of myself of themselves, and like he's definitely for me just like this kind of like this goofball who can, like, go out and just, like, kind of do absurd stuff and sometimes get away with it. Sometimes it'll be a pratfall, mm-hmm. but it's usually, but it's all good. It's, he's so flexible, I can, like, pretty much put him into, like, any type of scenario if I want to. Mm-hmm. So, like, sometimes it's just, like, like I I would just, like, do you want to put Garrett in a place someone else? Garrett's, like, just such, like, a big part of my life. Just finding him, like, role-playing as a character, just, like, egg kind of also, like, helped me as a person, since I was a very quiet person as, like, a teen and initially entering college. Mm-hmm. Like, I like I won't say, like, oh, I was lonely ahead of him. I did, but, like, I was always very quiet and always worried about, like, I was always worried about expressing myself, like, oh, like, I had ideas, but just, like, oh, like, they're kind of dumb. I don't want to share them with anyone. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't until, like, this time and, like, with tabletop working, I was able to, like, work on them with friends, and if I got them wrong, because I said, I didn't really talk about the first version of Garrett, because, like, I honestly don't remember stuff. I didn't really, like, he wasn't really Garrett. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Like, he was a ranger, which it seems so weird going, and it's like, why is he a ranger? Well, hey, you know what? That's why characters grow and change. Yep. Thank you, James, for coming on tonight to, or today, whenever, whenever you are listening to this. Thank you for coming on the show and talking about Garrett. I really appreciate it. I right, thank you very much, Christina. It was a pleasure talking about it. Like, like going into this, I like I didn't realize it's like, oh wow, yeah, he's been like this like large part of my life for all these years. I never really thought about it until like I had to come on this, which weirdly I did without any notes. He's taking a lot of notes for podcasts, so nice. this was it's like introspective and like remembering stories off the top of my head. Hey, you know what? It worked. Good on you. So, James. Wait, is there anywhere that you would like to be found on the internet? Any projects you want to promote or shows? That kind of a thing. Let's see. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Discord underscore Inc. Which, lately, I've been, been posting a lot of, like, Celeste replay videos. But occasionally, I've been, like, posting samples of writing. Uh, I've been kind of working on an idea of a light novel I had. Uh, not for Garrett, but for, like, another character, a superior character I have. Mm-hmm. Honestly, he could probably show up in that. But, like, I, I don't, like, not at, the, not at this point. So I'm trying to keep, like, the focus between a couple characters. It's kind of like a writing exercise. Get the kind of, kind of like, that small-scale interaction type thing, although there's still a lot of punching. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I'm also on, like, other social medias at some variation of Discord, Inc., sometimes with an underscore, sometimes with a hyphen, because the thing is about, like, not all social medias, like, underscores. Yeah, that's true. Pro tip, if you're creating a social media handle, don't use an underscore. Very it just true. creates more Very grief true. later on. There's, yeah, there's that. Uh, I also have a podcast, a uh, a uh, episode by episode recap. Certainly, a very original idea of uh, Transformers Beast Wars. Okay. That I do with a uh, with Dowd, who I don't know if he's been on this one. He has not yet. But yeah, so that's that's mainly what I'm doing. Uh, hopefully, I'll do more. Like, I always like to do more stuff, so hopefully, I will. Someone with Garrett. Believe in yourself. I do. The Home for Wayward OCs can be found on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Our theme song is Violet by Poddington Bear, courtesy of the Free Music Archives. New episodes come out on the second and fourth Mondays of the month. 
If you'd like to get in touch with us, we can be found on Twitter at waywardocpod or through the waywardocpod hashtag. You can also email us at waywardocpod at gmail.com. And we are always looking for guests to talk about their original characters, and the list of our banked guests is going down. So drop us a line if you're interested in coming on the show to talk about your characters. And since this is the this is the tenth episode, so woo anniversaries, we are uh, still starting out. It is always very helpful for you to subscribe and rate us on your listening platform of choice, or recommend us to a friend, uh, because that all helps us to find more guests and to brighten more people's day. So thank you all for listening. This has been the Homeboy Weirdo Seas, and we hope you enjoyed your stay. Oh, darn it. I guess you got me.